from West, East, and Kingdom the Kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to episode 231 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian, Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co-host, executive producer, and good friend, Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Michael? I'm doing okay. As we talked off the air, I am um, recovering from eating some bad meat. <laughs> so I, uh, I've had food poisoning, but I'm bouncing back. I, uh, when I tried to have tea this morning and toast, that did not go down well, but my afternoon tea did go down well. So I'm I'm feeling much better. So. That is good to hear. There's no better way to recover from food poisoning than with connecting with Walt. I can't. That's true. I can't think of anything <laughs> better than that, especially because we have a fun episode today. Uh, a few times a year, we invite members of our Connecting with Walt family to become a part of the show by submitting questions for me and Craig to answer. Uh, the questions are generally about Disney theme parks and resorts, Walt Disney's family, the Walt Disney Company, Imagineering, Disney films, and so much more. So quite a while ago, I think it was in April, <laughs> we put a uh, out a call for your questions, and now we are going to answer some of those questions. So, so Craig, do you want to uh, select the first one? I, I do want to select the first one, and I, I'm going to choose a fun one to kind of ease us into uh, this question and answer, since it has been quite a while since we've done a connecting with Walt one. And y you probably knew I was going to choose this one at some point in time in there. So I I'm assuming you have uh, answers already compiled for this. But this one comes from Matthew. Or sorry, not the Matthew one. I almost I almost screwed up there. I was one name close to it. This one comes from Connor. Sorry, Matthew. I hope we end up doing your question now since I already brought up your name. Um, but this one comes from Connor, and he said, "Which Walt Disney World attraction would you like a Lego set created for? Like they've already done the castle and the train stations." So, Michael, do you have one that you wish they would do a Lego set for? Yeah, well, unfortunately, I missed out on the mini uh, Haunted Mansion Lego set that they were selling. And um, because those are sold out now, and you know they'll never get another one. They, they'll never they get more in. They will get more in. And I, I can already tell you, too, I have to go to the Lego store um, at... I have to go to the Lego store in the next couple of days and I will check and see if they're there because it claims that they're in stock at our Lego store. Well, Disney would you World. buy me one? Yeah, absolutely. Because if they have them, I will. I'm still trying to get that mini castle and I haven't seen that in ages. So oh, see, that's I mean, I have not, I'll be honest. I have not looked for the castle because I bought it like right when it came out and then 
I saw it again like a couple days later and it was like they couldn't get rid of them. They were on every single shelf put everywhere possible. So I'll, I'll keep an eye out on that one. Too. Yeah, buy those two for it. me and I'll send you the money. <laughs> yeah, I will. I so. will. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure the Haunted Mansion set will definitely be in stock. And as for the castle, I, I don't know if I've seen it at the Lego store, but I'll, I'll check around some of the different stores. Oh, like thank you. And stuff. They might still have them. Cause I build there. those sets with my granddaughter when she visits. Yeah. It's fun. But actually I, I listed quite a few that I would like. Cause I do have the castle, the train station, like my, my granddaughter and I were building the steampunk Willy one, but we ran into a roadblock with it. We're having trouble getting the um, smokestacks to stick to it. So I don't know. I, I don't know if we made a mistake somewhere along the way, way or what. And I thought, I hope we don't have to start taking this thing apart to put it back together again. But anyway, but I want more of the iconic attractions. Like I would love, since they have the mini haunted mansion, I would like full, you know, a full size set haunted mansion, but one from each of the parks because, you know, they're like Phantom Manor from what, you know, from Disneyland Paris. And then, you know, of course the, the haunted mansion from Liberty square and then our haunted mansion from new Orleans square. And, you know, cause so many of them are different. And so, uh, so that's what I would like. And then, um, then I would like, a, and I don't know if they've made this before, but like a monorail kit. I think um, that would be cool. No, yeah, I don't think I yeah. ever remember anything monorail related with it. Yeah, and like a, a jungle cruise ship, boat, a jungle cruise boat, I think would be fun. And a people mover set, I think would be cool. So those are the ones I thought of like right away that I would really enjoy. What about you, Craig? Well, uh, we kind of crossed in a couple of ways. Obviously, I completely agree with you on Haunted Mansion, and that was one of the ones that I I wanted to bring up with it because I I love the look of the Lego Haunted Mansion, that the miniature Disneyland one from the box, and I'm sure it'll look just as good um, in person once you build it. But I can only imagine how cool they could have made it if they would have made it actual full size because mm-hmm. they were like they have that little opening on the back where it, it kind of like it, it's not big enough to really showcase a scene from haunted mansion it almost reminds me of the the little ornaments that disney's been doing for years now with the attraction fronts and then if you flip it around it has like a little scene from the attraction that's that's featured on the other side that's what that lego set reminds me of but if it would have been bigger i mean just the opportunity to have it open up and showcase multiple scenes inside or yes i agree open on the back like it's there could have been so much potential and with i I would have loved disneyland's but i'll be honest walt disney worlds was the one i thought of even more I, i think Disneyland's makes sense in terms of uh in terms of that squareness to it it, it would make for a uh, definitely an easier build but uh the Walt Disney World Haunted Mansion I think that would just look so cool in Lego form um especially with all the you know the bend in the house it just mm-hmm. it, something about it I think could have been really neat with it but uh, a big one 
that I had on my list was a Jungle Cruise boat as well, too, just because there's that's kind of like iconic enough that it could just stay by itself. You know, they 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 build the they have the Star Wars vehicles that you can build and they have cars that you can build. So I don't see why they couldn't do a Jungle Cruise boat as well, too, and and add that into the mix. But a, a big one that I had on mine is Space Mountain. And I thought of Space Mountain, and but I didn't add it to my list. I just think that could be so sleek because it, obviously it would be a lot of bricks just to get that that perfect dimension going with it. I, I doubt that you could ever do anything where like there is even a little roller coaster that you could build inside of it. That would probably be a little too well, much. But you know why I didn't? You know why? Because I wouldn't want the current Space Mountain. I'd want that John Hench. I think it was John Hench who drew the original concept art for it way back in the sixties, where it had it had this the little space vehicle going on the outside. And back in, see, that's the version I would want. I'd even be happy with a Disneyland Paris version that's, mm-hmm. you know, more that, that Jules Verne-esque style. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I think something Space Mountain related would be probably an instant get for me. But that, that that's kind of like my big list with it. I, I would like to see the castles. I'd almost like to see the castles handled in... Continuing in a mini way, like they did for the Walt Disney World 50th anniversary one. Like it would be really nice if they would do that for all of the castles. That would be nice. Then it would, because that's, it's just so much easier to display when it's on Mm -hmm. that, that smaller scale than having all of them be like the full size castle. But uh, beyond that, it's kind of, it's kind of tough because I, I can see like the contemporary being a great lego set because Mm -hmm. that's obviously such an iconic hotel Uh, but a lot of attractions aren't necessarily i i I don't say they would catch my eye where i'm like i need a replica of the exterior of this attraction like something like big thunder mountain wouldn't work splash mountain for me wouldn't really work what about disneyland it's a small world I I could be I could be persuaded on that. Mm-hmm. I could definitely uh I could see that one. I I didn't have that in my my brain here, but I I could see that. I could also see Matterhorn. That would be a very cool one. I don't Oh, that know. would be with the bobsleds. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they've ever dipped into mountains before, but I would I would be okay with that one. And uh even even something like the Tree of Life cuz I I have the the Winnie the Pooh set that is tree related. So they they could technically they could go on a larger scale and do something like a tree of life. And then I now I'm just rattling them all off. Obviously Spaceship <laughs> Earth and Tower of Terror would work really well. So there there's a lot of potential for that mm-hmm. partnership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Right. So hopefully Lego is listening. Someone from Lego's listening, they're gonna start working on these sets for us. Hopefully faster. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I have one that I think this is a fun one too. We're in, we're in the uh, the uh, theme park and resorts uh, section here of questions. Um, Cameron Ramos asked. He said, "Just a fun one. What is your perfect Disney World or Disneyland meal? You can combine any number of food and drinks from places. Pick an appetizer, a drink, 
two sides, an entree, and a dessert? Oh, that that is a tough one. And I'm hoping that Cameron asked if we could, like, technically, if we could bounce across to, like, both coasts, because that that's kind of how I'm going to handle mine, at least, um, in a way. And so... Uh, my first, my appetizer is going to come from Disney's Hollywood Studios because I absolutely have to have the Hollywood Brown Derby Cobb salad. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the perfect appetizer. Not too heavy, you know, just that slight little bit of wateriness to it, but it is the exact same salad every single time you get it. It never lets you down. It's not going to fill you up for the rest of the meal at all. And then in terms of a drink, I'm going to have to then bounce over to Disneyland. And I I kind of just have to be classic and say, I want to get a mint julep. So uh, preferably it would be at like Cafe Orleans. So it would be unlimited mint juleps rather than mm-hmm. just having to limit myself to the one. But I, I would want a mint julep from that. And then... For my entree, oh, I, I had two answers in my brain, and I think I, I'm going to go Disneyland with mine. And for the entree, I would want a Jolly Holiday grilled cheese. And technically, you know, it, it's it's only good if you get it if you well you have to get it with the tomato soup. So that would be one of my sides knocked off. So the Jolly Holiday combo would take care of an entree and one of my sides. And then for oh, for another side, what? I, I think for another side, I'm going to cheat in this way. And if I could get the fried pickles from uh, Carnation Cafe... I would, I would like to have that. And I, I'm the type of person that believes fried pickles should be a side, not an appetizer. So I'm, I'm going to settle with that. And then for my dessert, I am actually going back to, um, I've got to go back to the Hollywood Brown Derby. And for the dessert, it, it absolutely has to be the grapefruit cake because that is my favorite, favorite dessert across property and uh that's that's yeah that's i know it's a weird one where i'm just bouncing back and forth between disneyland and walt disney world but that would kind of be my perfect meal if i had to have one it sounds good sounds good <laughs> for me um th- this is sort of hard because i i can't some of them i couldn't think of what were my favorite things but um for an appetizer, I thought of Carnation Cafe, Disneyland, the fried pickles would be my appetizer. And a drink, yeah, I agree, has to be mint julep over. And then my entree, I was going to go with the Plaza Inn chicken, but then I thought, but I like the homecoming chicken at Disney Springs just so much better. So I think that would, I'd probably get that, get the chicken. Two sides. Um, one, well, they would have to make this special for me, but I want Oscar's potatoes from Carnation Cafe because they dropped them off the menu. But mm-hmm. I'm hoping someday they'll bring them back. And then uh, my other side, I don't know. I was just thinking with fried chicken, you always have to have corn on the cob. 
So, and I, I don't know, maybe Homecoming has that or something like that. Dessert was really tough for me because I can't think of a dessert that I've really gone crazy for. It would probably be a hot fudge sundae from um, Ghirardelli. Yeah. Be the That's dessert. Good. Yeah, the the dessert's kind of hard because at the restaurants, I mean, there there's so many restaurants across Walt Disney World and Disneyland that are consistent with the same desserts on the menu all the time. And those ones are easy to choose from. But if the restaurant rotates the, you know, the desserts, it's a lot harder to choose. So it's almost easier to be like, yeah, I'd rather get beignets at the Minchula Bar or grab a churro or... If not a Sunday at Ghirardelli, then a Sunday just at at one of the ice cream parlors, whether mm-hmm. it be at Disneyland or Walt Disney World. And you actually you sparked. I completely forgot about Disney Springs with with all of this. I I could also be very tempted to throw the chicken in as my entree <laughs> yeah. instead of a grilled cheese. But for one of my sides, rather than the fried pickles, I'll, I'll, I can drop those off. Um, the the crispy Brussels sprouts that they have at Polite Pig. At Disney Springs are one of my favorite vegetables, mm. and I, I could also have those with grilled cheese. Unless I'm having yeah. fried, I could have it with fried chicken too. I yeah. could eat anything. And I thought of the beignets for dessert too, so I could go back and forth with that. The beignets were if they have the chocolate sauce, where you dip it in. Because usually when I have a huge meal like that, would be I, I have a craving for chocolate for some reason. So um, I don't know why. Maybe because of all the salt. I need something sweet. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, no, I get that. And that's like where I, like, in my mind, some of the first places that I went to with it actually was Steakhouse 55. And I was like, oh, that giant chocolate cake from there or uh, the baked Alaska that they had on the menu. And then it suddenly made me realize, yeah, but we'll never, we'll never have Steakhouse 55 again. I mean, maybe one well, day is something, but... Like well, maybe movies. maybe it'll be in the new um, when they finish the DVC building over there. <laughs> They'll add it back in. Yeah, we can only hope, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we'll ever get that. But okay, I will I will go ahead and throw on the next question for you, and this one comes from Amy. And this one, this one will be fun to talk about. Uh, Amy said, since we all know Enchantment is a crapola nighttime spectacular. I'm not <laughs> sure if that's in your vocabulary, Michael, crapola, but now it is at least. Um, since we all know it's a crapola nighttime spectacular that doesn't fit a 50th anniversary theme park celebration, I'd like to know what would you guys have done instead? How would you have written the script or storyboarded the show? And would you change the name from Enchantment to something else? Um, I would definitely have changed it. And we've talked about this before. I think I really would have liked to have seen a fireworks show closer to what we had for Disneyland's 50th anniversary, The Happiest Homecoming on Earth, where it actually celebrated the park. And, you know, it it was called Remember Dreams Come True, and it was narrated by Julie Andrews, and it it told the history of the park through fireworks and the music. You know, it started out with, you know, this was all Orange Groves, and then it talked about this was Walt Disney's dream, and then it went land to land, 
and played music from the different attractions, past attractions, as well as current attractions. And some of it, some of the music did come from um, Wishes and all that too, so a bit of it. But it was, um, it was wonderful. It was a long fireworks show. And I really think that that's what the Magic Kingdom deserved. Something like that. It should have had Roy's opening speech in it as well. Like, like remember, Dreams Come True had part of Walt's opening day speech in there. Um, you know, it, it, there was something like that. I don't know what I would call it. I mean, you know, remember, <clears throat> um, I don't know, magic happens. Or I don't know. I'm bad at stuff like that. But that's what I would have liked for the Magic Kingdom and for the people for whom this is their home park. They've been visiting here with their families for generations and it would have been a celebration of all of their experiences that they shared with their families and friends for 50 years. That's what it should have been. See, I both, uh, the reason why I asked you this one, because I do know we've talked about this many times uh, as we've talked about the 50th anniversary, but I, my mind continually changes on this stuff because I know I also was in that mindset of, I wish they would have done something like remember dreams come true with it. But I think I actually have kind of changed my mind against that. Now I, I'm not saying that I think enchantment is necessarily a great 50th anniversary celebration show it's it's definitely not the spectacle that that happily ever after was and so it it's kind of hard to to be this new show that has to follow such a fan favorite uh especially when it is around an anniversary like this but in my opinion it's still not a bad show like if I, I've seen some fireworks at Walt Disney World that have left me, uh, wanting more. Like, and it's not even just Walt Disney World. Actually, like Disneyland, the worst fireworks show I've seen was the magical one. Like, I love Dumbo flying in that mm-hmm. show. But other than that, I thought that that show just kind of was a mess. So enchantment is not at the bottom of my list in terms of nighttime entertainment. But uh, the reason why I kind of am disagreeing now with going the remember dreams come true route is only because I wouldn't want a show that just necessarily copied that formula. And with magic kingdom, since so much of it is also found in Disneyland, I just don't think it would have felt original enough in terms of the choices. Like there definitely could have been some musical themes uh, that were in Walt Disney World that that not necessarily at Disneyland. Um, you know, like the Adventureland Steel Band could have had music played in there. Maybe a little bit more going with uh, Country Bear Jamboree because that's you know that that that's just it's got those Florida feels throughout so maybe a little bit a little bit more dedicated to that um i mean oh you had mickey mouse review you had the different submarine attraction you know i I mean there's a lot of different stuff there too there was a lot and so the one thing that detracts though is i think about like i think about the albums that have been released and i felt like 
I feel like Walt Disney World music celebrating the actual attractions, most of those were like really big hits in the 90s and then just into the early 2000s. Like the last great set we ever got was the the when Disneyland had their celebration, they released a set for uh, Walt Disney World as well, too. And that was kind of like the last big one. And uh, even then, I don't I I know there's so many fans that know those songs and love them from from rides that aren't even around anymore. But I'm not sure I'm not sure if the current audience that visits Walt Disney World anymore really really knows that and i feel like the the strategy for walt disney world was it's our 50th anniversary you should come if you've never been before or if you haven't been in a while you should come back i don't think they were necessarily going for the nostalgia they were just going for the anniversary to draw people in and i i think there would be a in the fan community there'd be a lot more people happy with with the fact that they chose to represent songs and such from the park's history. But I think a lot of people just coming who aren't big theme parks fans would actually probably find more to like just hearing Disney songs that they know, not necessarily caring about it. So I, I'm a little, I'm a little mixed on it as, as you can tell from my rambling here. I, I think I, I I I still don't know how I would have gone with it. The the changes that I know, I one of the big changes I would have put in is like you mentioned, having Roy give his speech. That just that little touch in it, and then going the the musical movie route that they they went with, that would have been enough. Kind of like with uh, the 60th anniversary fireworks of Disneyland. Really, you just have the orange groves in the beginning, and then it's a montage of all the different movies. Uh, Disney and Pixar, so uh, not too far off from Enchantment. So they they could have just thrown a little bit in for Walt Disney World at the beginning with Roy speech, and then then went off on the route that they they chose to go, and that that would have been a lot better. But if I could have got crazy with it, I would have loved to have seen like a show hosted by the Country Bear Jamborees that is like completely out there like you know henry is the 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 narrator for it almost like how the the fireworks used to be for the the mickey's not so scary halloween party where you had the ghost host kind of walking you through the show if henry could be the one who is guiding us along the history of walt disney world I feel like that could have been something where it's a little tongue in cheek that if you're explaining to all the people there why it's important, then they won't have to question it. But who, who in Imagineering is going to come up with that and pitch it and get it through? I, I don't think ever. So I'm I'm still going to fight the fight for Enchantment. It's not a great show. It's not the worst show. And Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary is just such a slap in the face that I don't know if we can just pick out the one fireworks show and say just changing that would have made it better. There's there's a lot of stuff that needed change to make it better. Oh, that I agree with. Okay. All righty. Oh, there's one I'm going to answer. I don't think unless you need to add to it. It's I don't know if it, there's a conversation involved in it. But Kylie O'Neill um, asked, I stayed on property recently and noticed Building markers I've never seen before, example, Haunted Mansion E on a small plaque on a small pool building next to the main pool at the Grand Floridian. I saw others at other resorts, Main Street on buildings in the Polynesian. What are these? How do they decide what names go on which buildings? 
from what I can figure out, Kylie, is that there's supposed to be a 50th anniversary scavenger hunt at the different resorts. But so they've put up the signs for it, but they've not yet implemented it. So I don't know when they're going to do it since they're halfway through the 50th anniversary celebration. So um, anyway, but that's what it's for. Those signs are for. I, so I think I, I'm not quite sure where you have to pick up. They, they do have like a clue sheet that I know you can. Oh, they do have the clue sheets out now. They oh, okay. Do. I have never seen one in person. I know, I've never seen one either. <laughs> I know of people who have done it, so okay. I'm not sure if that was like we had, we made a bunch and then we ran out. Uh, I I just haven't followed back up because I haven't stayed at a resort for the 50th anniversary yeah. so far. So it's not been a thing, or especially the resorts where they they have the signage up, but. Uh, I yeah I just haven't I haven't really looked into this because it seems like one of those things you want to do on a on a day that you're you know you're at the resort and it's not necessarily the the best day and you just need you need something to fill in the time in between the thunderstorms and stuff but I, I do know I know they at least for a period of time had the little scavenger hunt paper so I would say maybe check with the front desk to see if they yeah because they certainly aren't promoting it. <laughs> so I don't know. No, no, and I, I read it. I mean, when it first they first started popping up, it's some people were like, "Yeah, it's a special thing for cast members," and it's like that seems weird that they would apply all the signage for something that's just for cast members. But crazier things have happened. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, scavenger on. Alrighty. Well, someone let us know if you uh, <laughs> if if you they're doing it at your resort. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, I time for me to ask you a question now. This one's for Mary, and I'm not going to necessarily okay. ask it the way she asked it. Uh, her question was, do you think they would ever add the Skyliner from the TTC to Magic Kingdom? I, I, I don't have an answer for that. I doubt you. Yeah, mine would be, I don't know. <laughs> and so I want to ask the question to you with it. Would you ever want? a Skyliner to go from the TTC to Magic Kingdom. How how far? I, I mean, I've taken the monorail and the ferry boat. I'm trying to think how far is that? I don't know if visually I would want the Skyliner going over the lagoon there. No. Over to Magic. I, I just don't think visually it would look good. Plus, I'm trying to figure out where they'd put the station on the Magic Kingdom side. Because it's already so crowded over there between the buses and ferry boats and monorails and all that. Now putting in a station over there? Oh, my gosh. Can't imagine how nuts it would be. Yeah. It it just doesn't – it doesn't need it, to be completely <laughs> honest. Uh, I think – I mean, technically, you have three options right now. If you're at the TTC, if it's a busy day, you have three options. If it's a slow day, you only have two. Um, you know, obviously, the ferry boats, you have the monorail. And then if it's busy enough, they will be running the buses. And you don't need to add the Skyliner into it. Even if it's stopping around at the hotels, you already have... You already have the monorail stopping at the hotels. Mm-hmm. So that system has already been designed 
perfectly. It doesn't need any more. And then you also have boat transportation from all of the hotels going to Magic Kingdom as well, too. So there's just so many options in that area. And uh, the Skyliner would be a complete eyesore uh, as much as I enjoy riding it. It would look ugly. It would look so out of place and just it, it would be it would be such a waste. But honestly, I think they just need to lean into the bus situation more and more. I know that requires having bus drivers and that that requires proper staffing. But if I walk up to the TTC and I have the option of the monorail, the bus or the ferry boat, I go to the buses immediately because they usually take off half loaded and i mean they have that short little ride you just go under under the water bridge and then you're back up the top you make a left hand turn and you're dropped off and you're ready to go into magic kingdom after that it is so fast and easy and you know it's it it's just there's already enough transportation that i i hope they would never think it i'm okay with them adding the skyliner somewhere else around walt disney world whether it's from like the all-stars and stopping off at animal kingdom you know something along those lines i'd mm-hmm. be fine with that but it, it, they don't they don't need anything else for magic kingdom magic kingdom has enough going on for it yes yeah, i agree alone. <laughs> i agree with that so okay Oh, let's see. My turn here. Um, oh, let's see. I'm trying to think. I think I'm going to go into Walt Disney, Disney Family. We can always go back to theme parks if there's another intriguing question there. But this is from Andy Bauer Wiggins. says, hi, one for fun. The uh, the Imagineers have outdone themselves and managed to create a working time machine. You can now go to the past and collect Walt to bring him to 2022 for one day in one park. Where do you take him? Where would you? What would you love him to see? What what do you avoid? Not asking what you think he would think, but what would he get a kick out of? Sh- what would you get a kick out of showing him? He has a bonus question too, but I figured let's tackle all of this first. So what about you, Craig? Oh, this is a tough question because I feel like there's two different ways that you can take this. And the weird side of me says, I want to take him to like the biggest train wreck of a park. <laughs> and so oh, I would, which one is that? <laughs> Walt Disney studios <laughs> um, I, in I Paris. Mean, Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So and that being said, I have not obviously seen Avengers Campus out there yet. So I've I've read what the internet has said and the issues with the the new the overlay for the rock and roller coaster with Iron Man being underwhelming and, and other stuff. So it seems like they still haven't gotten everything quite worked out yet. So there there is something very tempting about taking him to uh taking him to Walt Disney Studios Park and and seeing what he would think of that but i honestly i i think i would probably stay out there though and i would take him to see Disneyland Park in Disneyland Paris mm-hmm. and the reason for that is just because of what we've mentioned with it before uh 
it is just such a beautiful park. It is, you could make a hard argument for it being the most beautiful of all the parks. And so I, I just, I would, I think that's one where it's enough of a shock between seeing Disneyland, which he walked through and had to be able to see, had, had the chance to be able to see it, uh, to then go to Disneyland Paris that feels so similar, but so different. I, I think, I think that would be a, a cool place to show him. And obviously seeing, seeing Sleeping Beauty Castle is like the, the main goal of that one, which you can't miss. Um, in terms of what to avoid. <laughs> with it i mean there's there's a lot in that park that i feel like you could you could easily avoid around because it's it's slightly underwhelming in in points of times um probably their tomorrowland i I would try to avoid that for the most part the only thing is the nautilus being there you know it's i i think i think you'd probably get a kick out of that but i i would say just avoid tomorrowland in in general, but yeah, I, I think, I think that's what I would go with. I, I would take him Disneyland Paris so he could see the whole park, see the castle, but stay away from Tomorrowland. Mm-hmm. I had, I'd, I'd had, I have like three things that, and, and I go back for them. One was one of the international parks and I was thinking Disneyland Paris, but I thought, okay, I could take him to see, his park, Disneyland, and see, look how it has evolved, you know, since he last saw it in 1966. And see all the changes, see the second park, downtown Disney, and see how all of those, just how it's all come together and all that. And I wouldn't avoid anything because I thought, you know, let him see it warts and all. Because he might have some ideas for fixing it. Like, I would show him Tomorrowland and say, what are your thoughts on this? <laughs> and, um, and um, you know, and so I thought he might get a kick out of seeing how his park has grown and evolved. But then I thought, what about showing him a Disney park that is not a castle park? And I would think, and then I thought, maybe show him Animal Kingdom. Because he was into conservation and caring about animals long before it became, you know, part of our culture to do that. And um, he might get a kick out of seeing how what a completely different Disney park looks like and and um <clears throat> how his true life adventure films sort of you know inspired this park and so so i go, so i'm going back and forth on those i think i could make arguments for um both of those he might not understand you know the whole world of pandora so but i wouldn't avoid it because i think he would like the technology behind it and he would still, even if he didn't know the films, he would still enjoy the attractions. I mean, you bring up a good point. You shouldn't avoid anything. If, But I will say, if following the answer that I have to pick something to avoid, I will actually change it from Tomorrowland. I'll just say the food in general at Disneyland Paris. <laughs> I'll just... Tell him, you know what? We're we're gonna get some food outside of the park. We're not we're not gonna <laughs> eat while we're in there, and that's probably the safest bet. Yeah, well, Animal Kingdom, maybe that 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 
whatever that horrible dino land area is <laughs> might avoid that. Although he would probably like the dinosaur ride, but um, but he otherwise Indiana Jones when you were in Disneyland. So yeah, he's, he's got his taste. Yeah, that's true. He <laughs> sort of knows it. Yeah, in a weird sense. But that's what it is. Now, should we do the bonus question that's attached to this? Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, well, okay, so Andy goes on. Um, the time-traveling machine has Disney+, Plus, of course, energy, synergy and all that. And the journey to 2022 and back takes about the length of three films. What will you be recommending he should watch? Well... For me, I will say uh, the first one would be Star Wars, since that plays such a big part in what Disney is now. And I know, mm-hmm. I know, yeah, it's Fox, but it is it is still a massive part of of Disney. And I think the technology in that movie, and you know, having now watched the ILM documentary on Disney Plus, that is like. It's so, so in-depth and just makes everything about those early movies so much more fascinating. So I, I would say for sure Star Wars for one. Which which one? Which Star Wars? Just start off with Star Wars and just... You know, A I, New Hope, that yeah, one? I, okay. Yeah, I, w- I would like to have enough time. I'm not going to waste two movies on Star Wars. I mm-hmm. want him to see Empire, but he he needs the build-up. So mm-hmm. you've got, got to start with episode four. And... Then on the Disney front, I would say because I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip Marvel. I, I don't I don't think he really needs to be involved with that. And my next two choices, I'm gonna say Pirates of the Caribbean, so that way he sees how an original attraction was able to inspire a movie that then was reversed back into the theme parks too. Uh, I think that's that's something that is definitely impressive and worth watching. And then in terms of animation, because I feel like you have to throw in one animated movie in there, I, I'm probably going to be boring and say Frozen. You know, I know it's it's not necessarily the best of all the Disney movies, and it's not uh, it, it's might be the most iconic of this age of Disney movies that we're living in and, and really spurred a different fandom. But I think, I think it's a good, it's a good showcase of what Disney is doing now with princesses and, and how they've upped that level of animation. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's my three. I'll say star Wars, star Wars, pirates of the Caribbean and frozen. Okay. Very, I think those are all excellent choices. Um, I'm on a slightly different route, but not really, because I thought, okay, I want, I do want an animated film and a live action film. And then the third, I thought, oh, what is that going to be? What category? But for animation, because I thought, okay, would he like to see computer animation? Or because, again, that whole technology thing that he would be into. and um, But I decided, you know what? I'm going to go with my favorite modern Disney classic, and which was, wasn't really their last hand-drawn because Winnie the Pooh was. But um, Princess and the Frog, mm-hmm. I thought. I thought because that's just a nice storytelling uh, you know, storytelling film and with great music 
And I think, and it's New Orleans, which he loved New Orleans. He and Lillian, I, I, I just thought that would be a fun one that he would enjoy. That's a good one. Li- Live action. Okay. Okay. I'm being a little devilish here. Saving Mr. Banks, because I want then him to comment on that and tell us what the real story was. (laughs) I actually had thought about that too. And I'm like, it's, it it would be so fascinating to be able to show a person how they're depicted in movies. Exactly. Especially exactly. when it was a person whose life was around movies. It's like that extra level. So mm-hmm. it, that one that one crossed my list too for a second. And the third one was tough, but I thought, you know, he started those true life adventure films. So I thought I would choose one of the Disney nature films so that he could see how um, they've progressed and evolved into modern times. I don't know which one I would choose, um, because all of them are really good. But um, but I would choose one of those. So, um, anyway. That's not a bad choice, too. I didn't even, I, honestly, I didn't think about those. But we've gone over it enough on this show that I... I cannot watch anything with animals on TV. <laughs> Otherwise, my dogs go <laughs> insane. So that is, it's not something I get to enjoy often, but mm-hmm. uh, they, they are so much more impressive than nothing against the, the older ones from back when he was making them. But obviously with, with technology, like especially some of the ones based around the ocean, that they've been able to go deeper mm-hmm. and just into more interesting areas. It, and, and stuff for him to see there. <laughs> I was thinking like the oceans one because th- they really couldn't do that much with the technology back in the day. They would do like you know once on uh, y- they did once on animals that lived in water, but they couldn't really go into the ocean back in Walt's time that easily. So that's why I was thinking of the ocean Disney nature film. And again, I think you would be fascinated by the technology behind the creation of that film. Yeah, I completely agree. But, uh, Michael, we're actually out of time for questions. Oh, okay. Well, you know, we will pick up in our next episode uh, more uh, more um, of your questions because we have quite a few more to go over. But now it's time for this week in Disney history. So, Craig, is it my turn this week? Yes. This time All right, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Okay. All right. Well, I have one that it's sort of, I don't know, it's sort of a sad day, maybe, in Disney history. I don't know. But this was August 17th, 1984. The Walt Disney Company informed its chairman, Ron Miller, that they want his resignation. Uh, The Walt Disney Company had fallen to 14th in film box office, and they just decided they wanted a change. And so now early in his career, Ron Miller spent his time in the film division and his co-producer credits appear on Disney films like 1963 Sum of Son of Flubber and Summer Magic of that same year, 1965's That Darn Cat. 
His first full producer credit was Never a Dull Moment in 1968. Of course, he was back working on the Mickey Mouse Club. That's how far back he goes. He was credited as executive producer on films like Escape the Witch Mountain, Freaky Friday, The Rescuers, Pete's Dragon, The Fox and the Hound, Tron, The Black Cauldron. And he became president of Walt Disney Productions in 1980 and CEO in 1983. But he pushed the company to expand and explore. He did things that Michael Eisner ended up getting credit for. Um, But it was Ron Miller who created the Touchstone label. And and even though... um, Michael Eisner took credit for the film Splash. It was Ron Miller who greenlit it. Um, He also created the Disney Channel in 1983. He also gave the go-ahead for Tokyo Disneyland. And much like Walt before him, uh, Ron Miller was an innovator. He experimented in early computer computer animation with films like Tron. He funded Tim Burton for the stop motion animation shorts vincent and frankenweenie and he also started to um build the foundation for future projects that included who framed roger rabbit but under his leadership the company became the target of corporate raiders and takeover attempts and many influential shareholders then criticized ron miller's leadership and in 1984 fellow disney family member roy e disney son of walt disney's brother roy and stanley gold and shareholder sid bass ousted miller in favor of a trio of the first time of executives outside of the disney um family or and people who worked with Walton Roy. And of course that was Michael Eisner, Frank Wells, and Jeffrey Katzenberg that then, you know, introduced, you know, the Walt Disney Company that we know today. So but you know, I met Ron Miller many times uh, at the Walt Disney Family Museum, talked to him many, many times. Um wonderful man, very humble man, um, rarely talked about himself. And um, I was always I always felt it's sad that he really doesn't get his due of what of his accomplishments and, um, you know, in Disney history. So anyway, so it was that date, August 17th, 1984, that ended his career with the um, Walt Disney Company. No, that's uh, that is a very important date. And. Almost makes me wish that I would have went first, since I'm gonna uh, choose something way more lighthearted than than that. But I, I always I always like hearing your stories involving Ron. So it's uh, yeah, it, you're you're lucky, you're lucky. But um, I, I'm gonna go with August 14th, 2015, and that was a. Another big day in terms of D23 Expo. I know that's literally what I talked about, I think, on the last time around with this. But um, August 14th was the start of the 2015 Expo. And I, I think we explained a good amount uh, last time around on why D23 Expo is so important, not just to me, but to this. And part of the reason why we have all this and and we're doing connecting with Walt, but uh, 2015 was a an epic year because that was 
I mean, in terms of what happened there, but this was also like, this was our first year that the Diz got a booth set up with it. And, uh, and part of that was because of what we did at the 2013 expo. It was, mm-hmm. it was such a huge success that, that Pete wanted to take us to the next level with it. And so we invested in a booth and had extra people out there to help with the booth and, and really have a place that we could do our live streams at that was dedicated to it. And, you know, there was a lot to go over with it. And I think the, the thing that ended up being most popular with the booth is something that currently sits in, in Michael's, uh, office room. <laughs> the, the, the great Mickey Mouse chair. That's right. <laughs> Boy, and was that a bear to get into this room? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yep. uh, yeah, and and that is the Mickey Mouse chair from the Magic Kingdom. That when you went to Mickey's Starland and all the iterations after it, when you went to meet Mickey Mouse, this was the chair that that Mickey was in. I'm still looking for the matching ottoman, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> one day. Uh, no, it was in the background of the story is why do we have Mickey's chair? Well, our booth was ridiculously large. It was way too large. You know, most most people that are selling stuff usually have like, I believe it's a 10 by 10 square. And if I can remember correctly, ours was like 20 by 40. So it was just... It was so massive and we did not have enough tables. We didn't have anything. So like we were running out to uh, all the craft stores to like try to buy stuff to help fill in the space. Uh, we went to a, a rent a center and rented a TV to put in there. Like, or we might have bought one from Disney or not, not bought it, but rented it from them and then changed our minds for the next year on how we are doing it. Cause it's so expensive to buy furniture for those booths and stuff. But we were just looking for any reason to fill in space. And so that was a year that theme park connection that used to sell all the memorabilia and stuff from Disney, they had a booth and I, I can't, I think it was John and Kevin and maybe mm-hmm. you were involved too, but they, they walked around to it and saw it and bought it from them immediately to put over in our booth just so we'd have something to fill space. And then we also had couches next to it. So the entire, and I have the pillows from the couches too. <laughs> oh, you do? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Cause I think we bought those at, at one of the, like a Michael's or, or one of yeah, the, or Target stores. or something. Yeah. yeah it, it was something like that. But, uh, we, yeah, it was just hilarious then because half the people would come to our booth wanting to take a picture in the chair, which that's partly why it was there. And then the other half saw the couch right beside it. And they would literally just sit on the couch. And as we were working around them, as we're doing stuff, it would just be random strangers coming and sitting on our couch, not saying a single thing to us. Uh, So (laughs) the next year we did it, we kind of uh, sectioned it off a lot more Mm -hmm. so that wouldn't happen again. But yeah. uh, in terms of in terms of that year, uh, there was there was a ton of highlights that I will never forget. Um, you know, we got to hear about uh, how work was starting on that Disney movie that we all love, Gigantic. That was Jack and the Beanstalk uh, cartoon. And uh, so that was exciting to hear. Uh, that was where they announced Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. 
they announced it during the Walt Disney Studios panel, and then they elaborated more on it once it got to the parks panel. Uh, but they also, I completely forgot, and that's where they announced Toy Story Land, which just, you know, felt so small compared to mm-hmm. Galaxy's Edge, but really huge. And, and in the movies panel, you know, they had that was right before The Force Awakens came out. So the whole cast was there when we barely knew any of them besides Harrison Ford and really Oscar Isaac, I think was the only the only major actor at that point. And so that was all still new. Uh Jungle Book, that's when we got to see start getting the first peeks into Jungle Book, which I still just absolutely love the live action version. Oh yeah, I thought they did a good job of that. Didn't they have the little boy that played Mowgli? They did. They did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I remember they, they finished that one, I believe, with the Moana, um, one of the songs from Moana. And it was the big uh, showstopper for that. Um, I remember going that year, I went to a Muppets panel where that was, uh, it was like one of the first things we did, uh, but it was with some of the the Muppet performers and JL even got to go on stage and and uh, control a, a Muppet with them, which was like really, really cool. Uh, there was a Silly Symphony concert with Leonard Malton that was one of the highlights of that That for me, because they were a full orchestra playing music from the Silly Symphonies. I mean, how do you mm-hmm. how do you get much better than that? Uh, but the, the thing that stands out to me more than anything else from that year is uh, the Frozen concert that they had because on the, the Diz, that is still the biggest video that we have on our Diz YouTube channel and that I've ever done was I, I had a press screening for that. So I didn't have to wait in line or anything for it. I just got to go to the seats. It was awful seats. So I pointed a camera at one of the drop down screens and filmed the entire thing just on the screen and uploaded it. And I think like the, the, biggest one from that is six million views from do you want to build a snowman i want to say what it was and (laughs) so like you know that's anytime you have a video that's that big that really jump starts a a channel and it really adds subscribers and it's still it's almost daily that we get comments on that video still so wow you have a good memory for all this stuff i would have to look in my notes to see uh, (laughs) what what it all was i i cannot i can't stress this enough expo is so important to me it's like it is my besides like getting to see stuff before other people which i don't want to brag about uh because that's i'm very fortunate to have that opportunity but in terms of something that like everyone can come together and do expo is just unlike anything else it is so special being there and I each year I just there's there's parts of this expos that that leave just a, a permanent mark on me for for what we got to see or who we got to see and just the the experience of being there. So I yeah, I I haven't been to many, obviously, just twenty thirteen, fifteen, seventeen, nineteen, and then twenty two is coming up soon, but it's mm-hmm. each one. Each one has been very special for different reasons. Well. It'd be more special to me if I had been able to get the the best, better tickets. Um, I have to stand in those horrible lines. <laughs> so I, I, I'm starting I, to get too old for that. 
<laughs> I, I still I, I need to talk to a friend that I think there I might know of an extra one floating around, but I I will buy it. I will. I, I will, will buy it, it for you. Okay. Well, keep me updated on that. So, okay. Yeah, but I am looking forward to it. All right. Well, my remember Craig. You know, a few weeks ago we we had Colin on to talk about Oz. And the Disney connection to it. Well, he wrote me back because he said that a few listeners came to OzCon International um, after hearing the first episode. That was nice. And uh, some of our other Connections Watch listeners have reached out to him. And he said it's all been very positive and all that. So I was happy to hear that. Wow, that's so. really awesome. Yeah, that's, yeah. That makes me happy. He was just obviously the the wealth of knowledge that he shared with us was just uh, second to none. Uh, mm-hmm. He got me excited for it. If it wouldn't have been on the other side of the country, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to when he said they, they're they're going to um, focus on the Disney connection at OSCON, since he said that there's a whole lot more to talk about, which is exciting. Yeah, it so, really is. Yeah. And did you, have you watched Luck yet? The the John Lasseter, you know creation from sundance animation that's on apple plus or apple tv plus i was going to make time for it because i thought you might bring it up with Mm -hmm. this uh but i i just it's been a big a big time for shows right now and uh i i didn't i didn't end up making time for a movie with all the different shows that i've been trying to catch up on but i've watched the trailer at least like 20 times and i cannot wait to watch it um, I uh, at least my friends that I've talked to that have taken the time to watch it. I've heard great things. I I'm probably a little less enthusiastic than your friends. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I'll wait then, and when you watch it, then we'll have to talk more about it. But um, but I, I'm waiting to see what else they they come up with out of this. But I I. Was less impressed than your friends were. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, and I'm not even saying it's just like one person. I, I've probably uh, read stuff from about ten different friends that watched it, and only only one that was like, none were like over the top saying this is the greatest thing ever. It was all like, oh, this was better than I expected. For you know, it, it's kind of hard when you see when you you know the John Lasseter name attached to it, but anytime you see a movie streaming on even like Netflix that, that pulls in former Disney talent. You always like pause because you're like, I know this is going to feel familiar, but it might not be on the same level. And uh, so, so hearing that people thought it was, you know, good. That to me is like, that's, that's a decent sign, but it's, Mm -hmm. I did see one person who's like, ugh, this was definitely not it, but I, you know, I, at the end of the day, I'm I'm going to turn my brain off and try to just get whatever enjoyment out of it I can. I think you'll enjoy it, but um, anyway, so yeah, so when you watch it, let's we'll we'll talk about it. See what you think. So, so Craig, until next time, how can our listeners connect with you? As always, they can find me on the different shows that I'm on on the Dis Unplug Podcast Network. Uh, you can find me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Teleclaster. And you can find me by email, <laughs> Craig at DisneyInfo.com. But what about you, Michael? Well, 
by the time this show goes up, you can connect with me at Disneyland, because that's where I plan to be But um, for that weekend. But you can also send me messages at michaelbowling at disneyinfo.com. Twitter, I'm at mbowling121. Facebook, I'm michaelbowling-connectingwithwalt. And Instagram, I'm michaelbowlingthediz. And you can connect with me and Craig on Twitter, at connectingwalt. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes on the link Craig includes in our show notes or at DisneyUnplugged.com. Look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Pandora, and Amazon podcasts, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings when possible. So thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing that was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy. <laughs> <laughs>